2: Now we turn to Joan Walsh. Of course, she's national affairs correspondent for The Nation and a CNN political analyst. She's also former editor-in-chief of Salon and author of the book, What's the Matter with White People? Finding Our Way in the Next America. Joan, welcome back. Thanks, John. Well, we want to talk with you especially about uh, women candidates. There's good news and there's some bad news, too. Let's start with the good news. Well, the good
0: news is that more than 100 women are going to go, uh, to Congress this year, and most of them, 90, I think it's 90% of them, will be Democrats. Uh, and of the, we still don't know how many seats the Democrats managed to flip. It's somewhere around 30. It could be as high as like 35, 38. Um, a majority of those are women too. So it, it's a historic year for women. Uh, All of the change we've been talking about, you and I, since the Women's March, has, you know, consistently over time in Virginia and the special elections and now in the midterms, it really has translated into women running and women winning.
2: Of course, the big, uh, I don't know, can we call it the big heartbreaker? Uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, I guess it isn't quite over yet. Yeah, I
0: mean, I will say that my heart is broken because she faced so much voter suppression. Yeah. Uh, but I will not say it. Uh, that it's broken because she's lost, because she is challenging. Uh, she's not conceding. She's challenging this. She's asking for a recount. She's not quite within uh, the realm where you can get a recount. She's not quite within the realm where you can get... Uh, an automatic runoff if if Kemp uh, comes down under fifty percent, there will be a runoff. Uh, but her campaign is pointing to somewhere between one hundred and two hundred thousand uh, potential ballots, whether it's absentee ballots that haven't been counted. A lot of provisional ballots um, that haven't been counted. Provisional ballots are the ones that we never think about because most races are decided, you know, pretty easily. But if for some reason you don't find yourself on the voter rolls and you think you should be there, you can vote provisionally and come back later and prove why, you know, bring ID or whatever. Somehow prove that you belong there. Uh, I've done it before when I've moved, but usually it doesn't matter. This time it will matter because... Brian Kemp swept so many people off the voter rolls because he claimed they were inactive for the last couple of elections. So, you know, this provisional number, we don't even know how big it is because that's how terrible the counties have been at keeping track of it. But she is chasing down every vote. And so I will not talk about Stacey Abrams in the past tense. You and I can get back on the the phone and, and back on this podcast and talk about it if that happens but I won't do that
2: today. No, you're absolutely right that the vote suppression is what's responsible for the current ambiguous situation with Stacey Abrams. She's, I don't know, something like, 77,000 votes behind as we speak at this hour. Brian Kemp removed, what, something like a million people from the voting rolls in Georgia over the last four years. It's pretty clear she would have won if it hadn't been for the vote. She would have won outright last night if it hadn't been for the vote suppression. Isn't that true?
0: I think it's true. I mean, you know, we can't prove it, but I I think it's true. Uh, And those people, again, were taken off the rolls for nothing more than not voting for a couple of cycles, and, you know, that is actually common in our democracy. I try to vote every time, uh, I, and I don't always manage to do what I have to say, um, almost always. But, you know, people have reasons that they can't get to the polls, and when they feel like it doesn't matter, whether that's because the candidates aren't good or the candidates are just so, you know, clearly going to lose, people don't vote, and, and that that's true in, in every state. To be honest, so the fact that he used that excuse to clear the roles uh, of people, and that they were, you know, a vast majority were African American, is terrible. But she's not even going to be able to contest that, John. She's going to be contesting. Well, I mean, to some extent, she will if people, if those people did go to the polls and and then they got a provisional ballot. But you know the. The vast majority probably didn't. Um, there's been so much negative publicity about what he's done. I'm sure that scourged some of some potential voters too. So you know, it, it, it's what's heartbreaking is seeing how hard it is to run a clean race and win in a state like Georgia. She has come very close, and I know that her her staff, her lawyers herself, they are just going to bird dog every potential vote, and they should. And they should shine a spotlight on how dirty Georgia's processes are. Uh, And, you know, as we've discussed before, Brian Kemp, in case anyone has missed this, Secretary of State responsible for all of this voter purging, and he's also the governor who has won by, you know, around a point. It should not be allowed if we had a better country and a better system of voting, someone would have stepped in. The Justice Department would have stepped in and said, you know, thank you for your service, uh, Secretary of State Kim, but because you're a nominee for statewide office, you're going to have a seat, you're going to run for office, good luck, and somebody else is going to supervise this this election. It is outrageous that that did not happen.
2: Just one footnote here. Stacey Abrams gave a speech after midnight on election night, that was defiantly not a concession speech, I thought it was the best speech I had heard in the whole campaign. It was a magnificent speech. She's just a fantastic person.
0: She is a fantastic person and a fantastic candidate. And she whatever happens, she will we will hear more from her. Uh, but she is laying out what's at stake, and that's why she's not conceding. she She is really trying to lay bare all the ways that mainly southern states, but not only southern states, uh, are disenfranchising people and it is her mission to show all the ways that people have been turned away when they deserve to vote and even if, you know, she doesn't she doesn't win, she gets within several hundred votes because she finds these or, or she re enfranchises these voters, that will still be worth it for her. Um, yeah, she's she's quite amazing.
2: The um, Senate had some disappointments. Two women who stood up to Trump in Republican states were defeated: Heidi Heitkamp and Claire McCaskill. Very sorry to see uh, both of them go down.
0: I was too. Uh, you know, they they are both excellent politicians. They are. Certainly, to the center compared to us. Yeah. Uh, but given where they're running, they they did their best, and they both, they both came out against uh, Judge Kavanaugh, uh, Heidi Heitkamp, in a really moving way because she revealed that her mother had been sexually assaulted. Her mother just died this year, uh, and I, I certainly hoped that that her courage would win her some votes, uh, even you know among Republicans, but. Uh, apparently it didn't uh so you know those were two tough losses uh it looks like john tester is pulling it out uh you know it it it, the the senate was not a good uh story for democrats but you know i'm always trying to remind people that the the senate map and the math was terrible for democrats uh, Donald Trump won 10 states that Democratic senators had to defend. And I remember in the months after he was elected, people saying, oh, my God, Tammy Baldwin in Wisconsin, Sherrod Brown in Ohio, uh, they, these people could go down. Bob Casey in Pennsylvania, these states that he unexpectedly won, they were all in trouble. They won effortlessly and even though my beat is women and i didn't get to write about this can we just say how fantastic it is that scott walker finally yes, lost yes. i mean that is a that's a huge deal it's
2: a wonderful so a wonderful thing
0: wonderful wonderful thing so in you know in all these places that uh, trump snuck up on democrats uh in 2016 the statewide, for the most part, the statewide Democrats
2: won. I also want to point out some of the the uh, lesser known uh, races. We're all feeling bad that Beto lost in Texas. Of course, the polls always showed that he was not going to win. He came amazingly close. He did amazing work, and he carried some amazing people to victory in Texas. Beto lost, but Texas elected its first ever. Latina representatives to Congress, Sylvia Garcia, will represent Houston. She picked cotton and hacked hay in the fields of South Texas when she was growing up. And Veronica Escobar grew up in, in El Paso, Town, waiting on tables and taking fast food orders when she was a, a, a teenager. Uh, that, is, that is changing Texas politics, and the change is not going to stop now.
0: No, it's not. That that's huge. Um uh Lizzie Pennell Fletcher won in, in uh, around Houston, in a Houston district. Uh and uh Texas Democrats won uh somewhere around twelve state house seats. And you know, John that I covered I've been covering yes. the renewed interest of by Democrats in trying to win back some of the state houses. So You know, I think the Beto effect is going to be felt for a long time. I mean, amazingly, you know, Hillary Clinton did better than Barack Obama. She won eight hundred thousand more votes than Barack Obama did. Guess what? Beto got more votes than Hillary Clinton did in an election in a excuse me a presidential election year. It's unheard of. It is truly unheard of. So. You know, I, I, we will hear from him again. I'm not sure where, uh, I'm not sure how, but I know we will. And I think that it's clear that he carried a bunch of Democrats over the line with him. So that he set up the the Texas Democratic Party to be a better, bluer, stronger party. Uh, Texas to be a uh, increasingly purple state. Uh, you know they took they took a huge leap on election night, and and I think we owe him a lot of thanks.
2: And one more race, I'd like to talk about the Nevada Senate race, where uh, Jackie Rosen uh, defeated uh, incumbent Republican Dean Heller. Uh, he was considered the most vulnerable Republican, but it's a great thing to have Jackie Rosen going to Washington.
0: It really is. She is such a fighter, uh, and and she is an Emily's List per- stalwart. She is a you know a fighter for women's rights, uh, and it's also you know, Nevada is a state that has a kick-ass Democratic Party, and it also reminds us what politics is like when you have a strong union movement.
2: And let me just name a few more remarkable women who won election in Massachusetts. Ayanna Presley became the first woman of color in the history of Massachusetts to to go to the House of Representatives. Uh, The first Muslim women are going to Congress, Rashida Tlaib in Michigan and Ilhan Omar in Minnesota. The first Native American women are going to Congress, Sharice Davids in Kansas and Deb Haaland in New Mexico. That's all great news for America.
0: Yes, it's a much, much younger. It's going to be a much younger delegation and a much more diverse delegation. In addition to a much more female delegation, and that has, you know, that that will give us great things in terms of policy as well. So I think there's a lot to be happy about. Uh, I really do.
2: Joan Walsh, reader at thenation.com. Thank you, Joan. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you, John.